The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports, featuring For the Winds, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Counter. Chris Corman here, editor with For the Win, and I'm joined by Stephen Ruiz, as usual, our lead NFL writer. Stephen, we're going to start previewing the divisions today. Uh, The NFL season appears to possibly potentially be upon us. I think this is actually going to happen. How are you feeling right now about the potential of a full NFL season? I'm optimistic, and it... It just might be that I'm energized by I've been mainlining training camp tweets like they've been really good this year. They've been better than years past just because of how absurd they've been. Like Mitch Trubisky looks like a whole new quarterback. Josh Rosen looks like the best quarterback in Dolphins camp. Josh Rosen, the best player down there. The best part is like all these bad quarterbacks look good. But in New England, everyone's just like, yeah, Jared Stidham kind of stinks. Like they're not even trying to hype him up. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I heard they were going to have a platoon <laughs> system there. They were going to just Bill Belichick was just going to run a different quarterback out every every down. Brian Hoyer would be out there. Be amazing. If there's something that we know, uh, uh, yeah, it is it's uh, a lack of stability at a position. That's definitely something Belichick is. <laughs> <laughs> right. a, a quarterback, a position like quarterback too. Uh, um yeah seems unlikely uh yeah the uh the 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 tweets from the training camps this year i mean as with everything in 2020 are more absurd than than ever before uh the packers today i guess decided that reporters covering packers camp are no longer even allowed to like project who might be the starting say left tackle or linebacker like you're not you're not you're suddenly not allowed to have it like to report on what you're seeing and what it might mean for the season. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do then. If you're a reporter, <laughs> you just like, I can confirm that they did practice football <laughs> today. Don't, don't worry guys. The Packers are in fact practicing. I can't tell you anything, but they, they did throw the football around. Um, but yeah, NFL camp training camps are underway. Bizarre as can be who knows what to make of any of it. Um, you know, the the reporters are there in some cases, and uh, I, I think that the COVID restrictions are changing everything, uh, having to do with how close they can get, how much they can watch, how much they can see, who they get to talk to, how long they get to talk to them. Uh, so the the information feels pretty constrained on what we're getting. Um, I, I think we have less to go on than ever before, as far as looking ahead and trying to glean anything from August, but it's not like August is all, is that helpful usually anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to see through the, the fog of training camp. So, uh, we are going to spend time today. Uh, we're going to look at the AFC East and the NFC East. Uh, we're going to go, that's, that's our plan for the next couple shows is to, go division by division, break down each team, how we see it ending up. Um, and then we will do a show where we're uh, taking a broader look at how we think the league is going to shape up. Um, but yeah, this is our, our preview, uh, our preview content. And 
after so many months of not being sure that we were going to get here, uh, it feels really interesting to <laughs> finally be thinking about a season happening. Uh, I know you were studying everything this week, studying all sorts of football outsiders and PFF uh, to prepare for this. Uh, what was that experience like for you? I mean, how, how, how are you feeling now that we've gotten to this point? I feel like now I'm invested in there being a season just because I've, I've started doing the research. Like, I feel like I'm right. Like if it doesn't happen, I'm, I did this for no reason, which I, I'm probably doing it for no reason anyway, because who cares about <laughs> NFL preseason predictions? They're going to look stupid by October. Anyway. <laughs> uh, they, they always do, but uh, that's, that's the magic of the NFL. And I mean, as I think we've talked about before, like every other time that there's been some sort of big preseason interruption, the, the league year is even messier mm -hmm. than what we usually expect. So uh, and I would not be surprised to see that happen this year. Uh, there's a thought that, that sort of, that, you know, if you're already good, if you're already the Kansas city chiefs and you already know what you're doing and you already have your pieces in place that, you are going to be able to uh, adapt to the lack of off-season uh, practice and meetings better, and that therefore maybe the league will stay, the top teams will stay the top teams, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff happening. It's, uh, it's just going to be a messy year because it's been a messy year. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the theme. So um, let's start with the NFC East uh, and – my favorite division, of course. So uh, I want you to uh, break down for me how you think this is going to shape up, who you think wins this division, and then we will go from the worst team on your list to the best team. So the NFC East, a division that doesn't get nearly enough coverage. It's a good thing we're starting out with them to put a spot, finally, finally put Correct. a spotlight on the NFC East. But like it's known as this like volatile division, but I think this year, like we kind of have a good idea of how it's going to go. Like it's going to be the, the, uh, I almost said their, their old name. It's going to be Washington and oh. the giants kind of battling out for third place. And then I think the Eagles, if they stay healthy, are going to be able to battle it out with the Cowboys for first place. And those are going to be like the two, I guess, races in the league are in the division. And it seems like there's a clear hierarchy to me, like with, the Cowboys are clearly the most talented team, the deepest team. I think they're the favorites to win the division, but, and the Eagles are clearly second, like the, like the giants in Washington aren't anywhere close to Philadelphia. And then, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how you want to like rank the giants in Washington, but it seems clear to me that the giants are, are closer to being a competitive team than Washington is. And then Washington is still the team in the early stages of a rebuild. So while like, right. Maybe it's, kind of volatile i think there's a clear hierarchy right yeah i mean i think i think you're totally right uh it's the the eagles and cowboys have been battling for a few years and uh <laughs> washington and the giants uh, have been trying to find a path toward relevancy for a few years and i do i i think you're right i think the giants are certainly you know, they feel like about 18 months ahead of, of Washington on their rebuild. Uh, you know, I think that they are convinced that Daniel Jones is their guy. I mean, obviously, the, the 
the Redskins feel that way about Haskins too, but Oh, oh. You put know. a dollar in the jar, you just you just said the team name. Oh, dang it, man. Uh, but you know, he has more to prove, I think a little bit at this point and, uh, and obviously a new coach and everything else though, the Washington team is not only changing its nickname, it's changing team presidents. It's trying to finally install a good culture. It's like, I like when that's news, like news of the day, like Washington football team wants to have a good culture. Like, Oh Yeah. Good, good job, guys. I feel like we should we should come up with that before. We should come up with our Um, own nickname for Washington, so we don't have to call them Washington every time. Like we should just, you know, do their job for that. Which call or just call them like the Snyders. uh, Which what? Washington Snyder. <laughs> the, Wa- the Washington Snyders. Uh, let's start with the Washington Snyders because you do have them uh, finishing fourth in the NFC East. Um, last year they were uh, three and thirteen with a negative one hundred sixty nine point differential. Uh, offensive DVOA was thirtieth. Defensive was twenty fourth. That's pretty bad. Um, Bet MGM has the over-under for five wins this year. Football Outsiders has a projection of six wins. What is your feeling? Where do you think they end up? How many wins? And, and just overall, is this team, is this franchise finally trending upward? I think so. Like, I would probably take the over. I'm not totally confident in the coaching staff getting the most out of this team. Like we're relying on Jack Del Rio in 2020 to get the most out of this young defensive line. But I do have confidence in Dwayne Haskins and we know like a quarterback playing well hides a lot of other issues. And there are a lot of issues to be concerned about with this team outside of the quarterback position, which is still a total unknown, even though I'm high on Haskins. Like I realize that he has a, he has a floor where he could be, a bottom three quarterback in the league. And if that happens, I, I I don't think this team really has a chance. And one of the main concerns is the weapons they have around him outside of Terry McLaren. Like there's not really anything there. Kelvin Harmon was a guy they drafted right. like in, a, in the mid rounds last off season. And then he tore his ACL. He was supposed to be the number two. So he's already, he's gone for the season. I, I like Steven Sims, who's kind of like a slot guy, a do it all guy. And I think, Scott Turner, the the new offensive coordinator, is going to use him similar to how they use Curtis Samuels in uh, Carolina. And he's a good player, but he's not a receiver you can rely on to get open downfield. And they they drafted uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden from, I think, uh, Liberty. He's he's like a height-weight prospect. Like, he's like a big dude who who can – you know, get down field in a hurry, but those guys usually take time to develop and like, they don't have a great track record of ever developing. So I don't think there's a lot of players they can rely on. And then the offensive line has a lot of holes too. After they traded away Trent Williams, they're relying on a lot of rookies or veterans that have spotty track records. Right. Uh, Bryce Love, the uh, running back out of Stanford, uh, is getting a little bit of buzz in camp. I mean, I think there were more reports today that he's feeling healthy and uh, feeling better uh, and could be a supplement to Adrian Peterson. I know you were a little bit intrigued by Antonio Gibson, the uh, sort of wide receiver running back hybrid out of Memphis, who's going to be a rookie this year. Uh, So, you know, you could... uh, 
obviously see them sort of making up for their lack of uh, playmakers elsewhere by deploying those guys creatively. Uh, they have no tight ends. I mean, they're just the tight end death chart. Jeremy Sprinkle is their top tight end. So uh, there's a lot of work to do on the offensive side. Um, what do you think defensively? Uh, how is this team going to look? They brought in some veteran guys, Kendall Fuller, a corner, Thomas Davis, linebacker, uh, Sean Davis safety. I mean, you know, it seems like they were focused on shoring up the defense. How do you think it's going to be this year? Uh, I guess it depends on how that young line develops. Like Montez Sweat showed some, some flashes last year, and I think he has to be – he has to make that right. leap. He has to be a good player this year for that defensive line to really work. Because I think Chase Young is going to be a good player from the jump. I have no doubt about that. He's – I think – I think right. he's destined to be like a Hall of Fame player already, but it's a freak. But right. if he's the only guy that's like consistently getting pressure, and they have some other veterans, but Ryan Kerrigan, he's still a useful player, but he's clearly in decline, and you never know when he's just going to fall off a cliff. I don't think you can rely on him to get you ten sacks anymore at this point in his career. So it's going to take those Alabama defensive tackles to develop. They're going to have to take the next step. And then Montez Sweat is going to have to be a factor for the defensive line. The, the, the line has to be great. Like, there's no way around it. If it's not great, the defense is not going to work because their secondary does not look good on paper. Their linebacking group is right there with it. They're, like, bad, too. Thomas Davis was a great linebacker, but I think he's lost a couple steps which isn't surprising because he tore his ACL like about a billion right. times early in his career. So they're they're really <laughs> banking on that defensive line being like not just good, great. And if it's not great, this is going to be one of the worst defenses in the league. And we talked about it. The holes on the offense. If if like the offense isn't better than we expect, this this could be one of the worst teams in the league. I think they have a wide range of outcomes. Like they could be a competitive team that wins maybe seven, eight games, but their floor is really low. Right. Uh, let's go to the New York Giants. Joe Judge, the first-year head coach, a former special teams coordinator under Bill Belichick, uh, made some news this week by uh, deploying some old-school football coach methods. You promptly wrote that he was in danger of losing his team, much like Matt Patricia appears to have lost the Lions over the last couple of years, or at least certain Lions players uh, who didn't appreciate being treated that way by a coach who has not proven much. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how Joe Judge works out. He's been a little bit all over the place, quite frankly, on his like public persona. Sometimes he seems like a like he's a progressive coach who understands what he needs to do. And other times he just sounds like a caricature of a, uh, you know, high school football coach in a bad movie. Uh, so it's really hard to see where he's going to go. He has Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator brought in uh, after being fired by the Cowboys. Uh, not a hugely inspiring pick, obviously, uh, for that position. So, uh, you know, this team is certainly still in transition and could very well be worse than the Redskins. 4-12 uh, and 12 last year, 13, 13th in the offensive DVOA and uh, 24th on defense. Uh, Bet MGM has them at over-under of 6.5 wins. And Football Outsiders has them with seven wins on the projection. Uh, your take, what do you see uh, happening with this group? I'm not optimistic, which is shouldn't come as a surprise. 
like beyond what we've seen from Joe Judge, I just don't think the. I think the Jason Garrett move hiring him has the potential to just tank any good work that this franchise has done over the last couple of years, and there hasn't been a lot of it. I just right. don't think that's a good matchup because if you look at the numbers last year, and this goes this goes along with what we saw in college, like Jones is at his best when he's getting rid of the ball quickly, when he's acting as a point guard rather than someone who's creating and like reading the defense for a long time and hanging in the pocket. He does have that ability, but his awareness right. in the pocket kind of makes that a dangerous proposition for the Giants. And then you bring in Jason Garrett, who's this has this old school approach to offense where you're taking right, vertical, right, you're taking deeper drops and throwing the ball downfield. Right. So you're kind of putting Jones. You're, he, I think he's going to be put in a lot of situations that he's not built to be good in, and that's and we've seen that like throughout the league over the last couple of years, like that's a good way to waste a young talented quarterback. And I, I fear that that's going to happen. And then you look at the offensive line and this is an offensive line that's geared to that style of play. Like even with Nate Solder who opted out, now they don't have a left tackle. Even if he was there, Solder has not been a good right. player. So you're relying on two, a bad tackle and then a young tackle. If they, if they do start Andrew Thomas, who, it was their first round pick this year. He, he was really mostly played at, on the right side of Georgia, right? Right. He looked, he was right. penciled in for the right uh, tackle job, but he was a raw prospect. Like people thought it was going to take time. So this wasn't looking good before Solder opted out, but now he's opted out. Now they got to reshuffle the line. And there's really a lot of question marks on that line outside of maybe left guard where Will Hernandez showed some signs of being a good player last year in the second year, but be, and then Kevin Zeitler is a good player at, at right guard, but beyond those two players, you're not, there's not a lot you can bank on. So I just don't see how this works out at all. Like even if Saquon Barkley is Superman, which he's certainly capable of being, I, I just don't see how it works. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that Jason Garrett is again, the right guy to, deploy Barkley right. in the creative ways that he could be deployed to use him. You know, I mean, he, he went from just sort of handing it off to Zeke Elliott a bunch. Yeah. I mean, you can do that with Barkley and it's going to work, but he is, uh, you know, above average pass catcher. He, you know, really the key would be moving him around. I'm just not sure. Uh, yeah, it just feels like a very weird fit having Jason Garrett as this guy. I mean, I, you know, it feels very much like, uh, okay, we're going to go hire a really young, interesting coach, and then we're going to not trust him and bring in this guy uh, who was recently a head coach to, uh, you know, provide whatever veteran leadership or some some knowledge of what it means to be the CEO of a program. But uh, it just feels like on so many levels, not a good fit. Um you, uh, you seem to think that they, that the Giants are trending down. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is sort of that you feel the Redskins might have a good process to start climbing up, uh, whereas the Giants, although they're a little bit ahead on the rebuild, maybe aren't the process. You're not trusting it quite as much. Uh, I'm assuming that has a lot to do with Dave Gettleman being uh, one of the driving forces behind it. But is that is my read correct? Yeah, I think I would say they're more treading water. But if you're treading water in the NFL, I think you're trending down. Basically, if you're not getting right. better, you're not you're right. getting worse. And it has a lot to do with the Jason Garrett hire, and I don't trust Dave Gettleman to build this defense. He's 
he's touted as a guy who knows how to like build the interior of a team, like the offensive line and defensive line. But both those aspects of the Giants roster are terrible. Like he's done a terrible job at doing that. The running game is bad. The pass rush is bad. I think he's banking on the coaching staff doing a better job of generating pressure, which is something we talked about in the getting home series. Like, I think that's going to, that's a theme for a lot of the teams and some of the teams we're going to cover in today's podcast is that they're going to rely on coaching to get pressure rather than some stud edge rusher, which is going to have to be the case in, in New York this year, because their defensive line, they have a lot of big dudes on the defensive line, a lot of big bodies. It's kind of built how the Patriots pass rush has been built and their, their new coordinator, Patrick Graham, he comes from Miami, so he coached under Brian Flores. They did some similar stuff in Miami last year. So I think the roster at least fits that. I just don't know how they're going to be able to execute it because I don't see any Kyle Van Noys in New York right now. I don't see those type of players. You can take advantage of pass rush opportunities that the coaches scheme up. And then the secondary, the big difference between how the Patriots build their defense and the and how the Dolphins are building their defense is that they have really good secondaries. And the same cannot be said about the Giants. Like, their best guy is is uh, James Bradbury, the free agent they brought in from Carolina, who I think, from watching him as a Panthers fan, I thought he was probably underrated, but he's a, no- a high-end number two cornerback. He's not a Stephon Gilmore. He's not a Byron right. Jones. Like, you're not going to be able to build your secondary around him. Now, there are some young pieces there. They drafted Xavier McKinney out of Alabama, but he's undersized. And it's going to, I think it's going to be, it's going to take a creative coach to get the most out of him. And we, I don't know if we've seen enough from Graham to say that he is one of those coaches. Jabril Peppers has been a solid player. I don't think he's been what people expected him to be when he was at Michigan. And then Julian Love was another player that kind of started playing late last year, but, and he played well, but we haven't seen a full season out of him and he was a mid round pick. And then they lost their, first round pick from last year, DeAndre Baker, who got into legal trouble and he wasn't very good last year. I was, I was pretty low on him entering the draft. And then he was just a disaster during the season. And he's been even more of a disaster off the field. So I don't think they can bank on him ever coming back. It just doesn't look good at any level of the defense. Right. And then the offense, you look at how it's just, I don't know. It just looks disjointed to me. Even like the receivers don't fit what Jason Garrett does. Like they have all these small receivers who are good after the catch like Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, that doesn't fit what Jason Garrett does either. Darius Slayton's really the only guy that makes sense there. And he is coming off a good rookie season. I think he's the player that really needs to make the leap if this offense is going to stand any chance of working. He seemed to have a good relationship with Daniel Jones last year, especially on deep throws. But you have to wonder like how sustainable that is to be a guy that catches contested balls downfield. Like I don't know if that's going to continue later on. Yeah, I think uh, I think as you were saying about the defense and the uncertainty in the secondary, uh, you, you know, trying to do what Bill Belichick does without the pieces that Bill Belichick has. And I'm not even talking about Stephon Gilmore. Obviously, there are not many corners who are that good. Uh, but you know, so much of what the Patriots do is based on the fact that Devin McCourty has been in the system since 2010 and just knows it very intimately. Uh, that's just not something that is easy to replicate. Uh, Bill Belichick obviously has had to be creative with defenses in the past and has made uh, mediocre players look very good, but that's not something I think the Giants can replicate at this point. So uh, it really is 
uh, dicey on the defense. And I think that'll be their downfall. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, you've got them um, uh, finishing third in your mind, uh, nine and seven last year, plus 31 point differential offensive DVOA. They were 16th defense, 12th. Um, Bet MGM has the over under at 9.5 wins. Wow, that feels a little high. Uh, uh, Football Outsiders projection of 8.5 wins. Uh, whew, uh, the <laughs> the Eagles redid their their offensive coaching. Uh, the obviously that was the biggest, you know, 16th DVOA for a team that uh, has Carson Wentz. Obviously, they were, the Eagles were decimated by injury last year. Uh, you know, and and did did not have their full offensive complement for many games, and and found a way to get through. Um, but I think the expectation there is certainly that the offensive attack will be much more precise and back to something more innovative and interesting, like when they won the Super Bowl. Um, it's unclear. There's no offensive coordinator. Uh, Press Taylor was brought in as the pass game coordinator. Jeff Stoutland is the run game coordinator. And Rich Scangarello is a senior offensive assistant, it sounds like. Uh, Doug Peterson may be you know, drawing up the offense a little bit more than he has been where do you see this team going uh you know if uh, you just said this about the giants they were sort of treading uh it feels a little bit like the eagles are treading too they're just treading in a better place (laughs) at this point uh what's your feeling right like the further we get away from 2017 like the more concerned i am about this team it's kind of like like they're treading but it's in a downward trend it's not like it's slightly downward, but like on paper, this looks like a good team. The problem is that paper has just been burned to shreds after week two in the past couple of years because of injuries. And I don't know if we should expect them to be healthier. Like injuries are mostly luck, but when you're repeatedly getting injured and your, your roster is kind of aging, you expect injuries more. So I don't like they could be healthier this year. I think they're, they almost certainly will be, but how much healthier can we really expect them to be? Like when you're banking on a guy like Deshaun Jackson and even Carson Wentz, who has had trouble staying healthy, like going back to college, can we reasonably expect them to stay healthy? If they do, I think, I think they have a chance to win this division. I think they have a chance to make a run to at least the NFC championship. If not, I think we're going to see a repeat of last year. Even if they remain a little healthier, I still think they're going to be around a nine and seven, eight and eight team. I thought they got a little bit lucky down the stretch last season, mm-hmm. just based on the fact that the Cowboys had so much bad luck in close games. But it really, I mean, I think it comes down to the offensive line. Like losing Brandon Brooks, I think, is a big deal because they haven't right. really replaced him. And I think that kind of, you know, creates a domino effect across the line. Like before they got Brandon Brooks, the offensive line had kind of be- like Jason Kelsey, he's like known as one of the best centers in the league, and he was when Chip Kelly first came Probably around. Know. But there was like a, a period where people were like, "Is Kelsey what he once was?" And then he kind of, you know, had a renaissance when they got Brandon Brooks. And you could say the same for Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson became a better player when Brandon Brooks came along. So losing him, I think, just could, has a chance to just mess up their continuity. And then there's obviously question marks on the left side, especially at tackle where. 
Andre Dillard is, you, you know, they're banking on him becoming the player they thought he would be when they took him in the first round, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. And then Jason Peter, Peters is, is going to play guard. Like, do we know he's going to be a good guard? Do we know he's going to be able to stay healthy for 60 minutes every week? Right. Just a lot of question marks on what is supposed to be the strength of that team and what has to be the strength of, strength of that team if the offense is going to be good. Right. Yeah, uh, I obviously drafted Jalen Rieger in the first round this this year, uh, the sort of speedy wide receiver out of TCU. Jalen Hurts was the surprise pick in the second round. Uh, it's still unclear whether they have sort of creative plans for using him. Uh, I think running back is a little bit of a strength with Miles Sanders. I keep seeing his name everywhere as a uh, – trendy pick for fantasy he's going to put up numbers boston scott i think is a little underrated too both guys are pretty dynamic so i you know you're right the offensive line has got to hold if uh they're going to do anything and it's uh the the brooks when you lose your best player who clearly made everyone else so much better uh there really are questions and when when you resort to bringing back your old left tackle who's been who you let go because he's been dealing with so many injuries uh, you know, you, it's clearly a weak spot. Um, Eagles also got Darius Slay from the Lions. That was probably the biggest move. The secondary was much maligned last year. They could not cover anyone. Now they at least have a number one. Uh, what do you think needs to go right on defense for this team to uh, overachieve and, and get to those 9-10 wins? I think we need to see the defensive line be as dominant as it was in 2017. Although I do think the secondary is better. Like you have Slay and that kind of like makes all the other pieces fall into place. Right. Like the Eagles didn't have a number one cornerback last year, but they had a lot of like decent guys that like stepped in and played later. And I think if Slay is that number one guy that I think he can still be like, he had a down year last year, but like statistically, but on film, he looked, just as good as he's been in the past. I think that's just something that happens with quarterbacks. Uh, I think the secondary could be good, like 2017 good. And then if the defensive line is as deep as it was in 2017, I think this has a chance to be a good defense. And it was a decent defense last year. There was like a, a, a couple notable games where they got exposed in the secondary, but Still, Jim Schwartz has done a decent job. He gets a lot of criticism, I feel like, from uh, Eagles fans, but he has been a smart defensive coach. Eagles fans <laughs> criticism? What? What? The question, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's the second level good. of the defense that that where the question marks are. Like, Jalen Mills is replacing Malcolm Jenkins, which I think is like a big ask from a guy that who's been playing. A huge ask. Uh, yeah, I don't, right. I don't see how that works out. And then they're going to rely on a lot of young linebackers – that like they drafted a couple guys. I, I don't know how that works out, but I could see it not mattering if the first level of the defense is good and the third level of the defense is good. Like, I don't think linebacker will, will matter all that much. Right. Um, the Eagles really, and they have a horrific out of division schedule, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, San Francisco. Uh, so, you know, it, really i think will be tough <laughs> to get uh even to double digit wins um just given where this team is uh, the cowboys you see them finishing first even though they hired mike mccarthy as head coach 
uh, <laughs> uh, tons of talent. I mean, obviously, Dak Prescott is a quarterback that we have talked about so much on this show and the guy that you really believe in, uh, giving him C.D. Lamb. The 17th pick, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma, is huge considering he's, you know, joining Amari Cooper. Uh, what do you see from this team? What, what's uh, you're obviously feeling pretty good. Is this the year that they break through and win a couple playoff games? Uh, I'm hesitant to say yes, but I'll, I will say yes. I, I'm high on the Cowboys this year. I think they have a chance to be. Uh, I don't want to say good on defense, but better than average. Like, they could be a top 15 to top 10 type of defense. And if that's the case, I think the offense is going to be good. I know it's easy to criticize Mike McCarthy and talk about how his offense kind of grew stale in Green Bay towards the end. But I, ha- it seems like he's giving Kellen more freedom to design the offense how right. he wants Right. I am concerned. Like I was a big Kellen Moore guy last season, especially early in the season. But I do think maybe he was he's grown to be a little overrated because one of the big reasons people loved him early on, they were using a ton of play action and using a lot of pre-snap motion. But by the end of the year, they had kind of regressed to the levels that they were at in those two categories before he took over the team when, when it was still Jason Garrett's baby. Like they were back to not using play action a lot and not using a lot of preset motion. So unless we see a return to that, uh, then maybe maybe that's a reason to be skeptical of the offense because offense did kind of you know regress at the end of the year, kind of coincided with the the less okay. less play action, less preset motion. Right, because the Cowboys were second in DVOA last year, nineteen uh, offensive DVOA, DVOA and uh, defensive they were nineteenth. So, uh, you know, the offense was a strength. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that does seem like one hundred percent. The biggest question is, will Cullen Moore be able to? continue to build off the good things he did last year. Uh, and who knows what it means when a coach, you know, quote unquote, gives his coordinator freedom. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, obviously the coordinator needs to make decisions. It's, the question is what parameters right. the uh, head coach is, is putting up that they have to work within. So uh, I guess we'll see that. Um, a couple big additions, potentially big additions, I think, on defense. Alden Smith, the edge rusher, and Everson Griffin. Uh, two guys, they're sort of hoping can be the best versions of themselves. Um, do you, th- I mean, is this defense going to take that step forward? Uh, I think having a different coach in there will help. The problem is the secondary has gotten worse and it wasn't very good last year. They lost Byron Jones, obviously. Right. Right. I do think their safeties are better. And maybe Mike Nolan, the new defensive coordinator, who hasn't been a defensive coordinator since 2014, I think it's a different game now than it was back then. So I'm kind of worried that maybe he's not, you know, he's not ready to take over a defense in 2020. But I don't think the scheme they had last year, that Seattle style of, of defense, really suited their personnel. Like, I think it did on paper, but as the season went on, it, it was clear that they needed to do something differently. So uh, I think the coach, like, I don't know what to think about Nolan, but I think it's good that they have a different guy in there running the defense. But right. a lot of it comes down, it's the same as 
what we said about the Redskins. God, now I, I just said it. What we said about the Snyders, like they need <laughs> the defensive line to be great. And on paper, it looks like it could be great. Demarcus Lawrence is one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Everson Griffin can still play. Like, obviously, the Vikings had to move on for, from him, but that was more of a salary cap thing than a can he still play thing. I think he was a great pickup for them. And then Alden Smith is just a complete unknown. He could either be a 10-sack guy or, he's, or he could be a non-factor, but I think it was a, a bet worth taking. And I know they lost Gerald McCoy, but I don't think that was a big deal. I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal that they signed him. Like, he's a good body to have in there, but he he's not the player he used to be. He's like a replacement-level player these days. And – they have some guys behind them that can that at least have some hype behind them. Like Tristan Hill was a second round pick in 2019. He didn't play well in his first season, but maybe he takes the leap and maybe he plays like a second round pick. Dontari Poe wasn't very good in Carolina, but he's not far removed from be- playing well in Atlanta. And then Neville Gallimore was right. uh, a guy that I really liked out of Oklahoma. I think he's a right. talented player. And if they use him correctly, I don't think he was used correctly at Oklahoma. If he's used at more of, more of a pass rusher. I think he could be a really good player for them. So their defensive line looks like it can be good on paper. And then they have those two linebackers that are really good. Uh, and Van Der Esch is coming off an injury. He didn't really play. I think he played like half the games last year. And Jalen Smith looks like a star. So that front seven could make up for what looks like a, a very bad secondary. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think Trayvon Diggs is, is huge for them. If, if right. the uh, rookie corner out of Alabama, if he can actually develop pretty quickly and take some snaps, uh, you know, I think that pushes them a little forward and gives them that talent there. But that it clearly is their biggest weakness, cornerback. The counter. Uh, all right. Let's jump over to the AFC East. Um which is probably maybe the most intriguing division. I don't know. I guess I'm thinking, I mean, I think anytime the new England Patriots have to overcome something like losing uh, Tom Brady and they do it by adding uh, Cam Newton, that's probably one of the more intriguing divisions. I'm not sure the rest is super intriguing, but uh, Belichick himself uh, brings the intrigue. Uh, uh, You have your projections here in New England, beating out the Buffalo Bills. Shocked by that. can't believe you have them beating the Bills. Uh, Jets finishing third and Miami Dolphins finishing fourth. Feels, I don't know. Is uh, How do you see this division? Is, Is it a little similar to the last one where it's pretty clear that the Patriots and bills are a cut above, or do you see the jets and dolphins having any chance of reaching those two? Yeah, I think it's almost exactly like everything I just said about the NFC East, like it applies to this division. The only difference is there. I think the roles are kind of reversed with the Eagles and Cowboys and the Patriots and bills. Like the bills are the more talented team on paper. And the Patriots are, are, I think, I mean, obviously they had this coaching staff that can make up for it, but there are a lot of question marks all over that roster. So that's the only difference I see. But yeah, it's the same where you have this battle at the top and this battle at the bottom. And I think the Jets and Giants are basically almost in the same place where you're like, where are, I mean, they're young and they've had a lot of, they're going to have a lot of draft picks in the Jets case after the Jamal Adams trade and the Giants have had a lot of draft picks after the Odell Beckham trade, but you can't say they're trending up. It seems like they're uh, treading water 
So I, I would say it's exactly I like the same. You know, you just, you just said, you just said, I kind of think the Jets and Giants are in the same place. Like they, they actually are. <laughs> They're both in New York, man. They're actually in New Jersey. So. Oh yeah. My, my bad. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good reading of these two. Uh, you have the Dolphins last in your list. Um, I, I'm a little surprised uh, where people have the Dolphins. I mean, obviously, the quarterback situation um, is, is a question mark with Tua Tagovailoa and whether or not he's going to be able to play this year and make an impact or, you know, whether they play him and just get him in and, and start that transition. Um but uh, you know, I thought the Dolphins showed some good things last year and, and seemed to be figuring it out. Um, uh, five and eleven, neg- one, negative one hundred eighty-eight point differential. Uh, offense DVOA DVOA twenty seventh, defensive thirty second. Um, six wins is the over under for this year, and Football Outsiders has them uh, just exceeding that, I guess. And, uh, what, where do you see, you know, where do you see this franchise right now? I think they're in the right direction, which is something that we haven't really said about any of the other up up and coming teams that we've covered so far. And I just don't think they're there yet. I understand why people are getting excited about the dolphins. Like if I was a Miami fan, I would definitely be like talking myself into them being a wild card contender. Maybe if everything breaks right, but like realistically, I don't think, I think Mm -hmm. they're still a year away because the problem they had last year is still the problem they have this year, at least on offense. And that's the offensive line just being a disaster. And I think like they added a lot to the offensive line, but there's like no guarantee that any of these players are actually upgrades. Like when you're all you need to know about how bad their offensive line last year was, is that Eric flowers, the guy they signed from the, from Washington, he used to be on the giants on the Jaguars. He's just been a disaster right. everywhere. It's He's terrible. considered an upgrade. He's considered right. a major upgrade. Like that was the, one of their big signings. <laughs> so this offensive line is still not very good. And they drafted a lot of players, but you're relying on rookies in a, in a, in a weird off season. Right. So I, I, I yeah, the line should be better, but I don't think it's going to be significantly better. Right. Uh, can defense carry them? Uh, Brian Flores is a defensive coach. Uh, he brought in some Patriots. Again, all these Patriots coaches are. Uh, at least Brian Flores hasn't become like a dictator yet right. that we know of. Uh, he's just signing a bunch of old Patriots, which is another thing that uh, Patricia did. Um, and they they brought in Kyle Van Noy, which feels like uh, sort of the biggest one as far as uh, culturally, you know, bringing over the the Patriot way. And obviously, they they were the ones that poached Byron Jones from the Cowboys. The the cornerback gives them a number one corner, so I think they're in a little bit better position to try to do some of the things that Flores wants to do. Can this defense carry them? Uh, last last year in, in defensive EOA. So there's a long way to go. Right. That's my concern. Like, I think it will be a league average defense and that will make them competitive. Mm-hmm. Like I would, uh, I don't know if I take the over on the six wins, but I think like if I could pick a push, that's what I would pick. I think they're going to be a six and seven win team, which is a dramatic improvement over what they were last year, even though I think they won five games, but they had a lot of like, like uh close game luck. They had a, I think they finished. They finished three and one in coin flip games. So I don't think they were actually a five win team last year. So if they win six or seven games, I think that's that should be a sign of improvement. 
And I do think the defense, I, they are built way better than the Giants are, who are kind of replicating the same scheme, or at least trying to in theory, because they have all these big guys on the defensive line, and their big guys are actually good. Like they have Christian Wilkins, who was a, a first-round pick a couple years ago, and they signed uh, Shaq Lawson from Buffalo. He's He was a good player for Buffalo. Maybe not like a, a supreme edge talent, but he was – a body on the edge that can occupy blockers, which is all you need in this. Cause you have, now you have Kyle Van Noy, who I think like he is probably overpaid and he was probably overpaid because teams pay for that new England premium when they get a player from there. But I think he is perfect for this type of scheme because he can take advantage of those opportunities that the defensive coordinator gets him when he draws up these blitzes and then they signed or they had Vince Beagle, but he tore his Achilles on Tuesday. He was a good player at the end of last year. He's kind of cast off in, in Green Bay, and then he became a good player for Miami, running the same scheme. So I think that injury will kind of hurt more than people realize, but they're on the right track defensively. And then that secondary, especially the cornerback spot, is just deep. Like they have they're not at the Patriots level yet but they have guys that they can just match up with all different types of receivers. And I think that's what you need to really play this type of defense. And they, they at least have that and getting the players is the first step. Right. Uh, the team they are chasing as they try to climb up this division, New York jets seven and nine last year, negative 83 point differential offensive DVOA 31st defensive DVOA 10th. Um, over under 6.5 wins, projection 7.4 wins. Obviously, Sam Darnold is a, a huge question mark. We did an entire uh, episode of this podcast on him and whether he's going to make the jump. You tend to doubt it, uh, that he is not going to prove to really be a you know top 10. He has that ceiling, but it just seems unlikely that he's going to reach a top 10, you know, really franchise QB. Um Denzel Mims, a wide receiver that they added in, I think, the second round of the draft out of Baylor, has missed a bunch of time in camp, which is not good. Uh, a taller, bigger target, six foot three. Uh, I think he's got a hamstring injury, so uh, maybe not such a good uh, start to trying to remake this offense. What do you see? What what needs to happen for the Jets to 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 move forward? Uh, you know, I think Adam Gase, the head coach, is probably on the hot seat. Um, you know, what, what needs to happen for this team to get where it needs to go? So Joe, Joe Douglas, this was his first offseason in charge. And I think in free agency, I, I do think he took the right approach where he was taking a lot of like small mid-level bets on players. He wasn't like they had salary cap space, but he wasn't using it on big name free agents, which has kind of been the problem with the Jets prior front offices. And what needs to happen is that these bets need, he needs to hit on them. If they, like, if their offensive line is not a disaster and it's decent, which uh, hasn't been the case early in camp from what I've heard, uh, it's the offense just has been a disaster as a whole. And mostly because the offensive line has just been terrible, but maybe it's going to take time for these, all these new pieces to come together and work out. And they are relying on like a guy like Mackay Becton, who was, who was very raw coming out of Louisville and, other new additions. Right. So maybe it'll take time to gel. Like continuity is such a big thing with offensive lines. So I don't know how much we should read into it. And then plus the, 
the acquisitions at receiver really need to pay off. Like I like Rashad Perryman. I thought he was an undervalued free agent. I think he showed some good stuff in Tampa Bay last year when Godwin and Evans were hurt. He kind of became the number one in that offense really didn't miss a beat. And then obviously Denzel Mims, Mims is another player I liked before the draft, but uh, I think it's going to be hard for him to make an impact after missing this time. I mean, it, it has happened in the past. Like Odell Beckham, missed i think all of training camp and it took him a while to start playing and then he obviously exploded onto the scene during his rookie year so there is like a track record of this happening but i don't know if it's going to work out for a guy like mims and if that receiving core isn't a lot better than it was last year and the offensive line isn't a lot better than it was last year i don't know how darnold really improves because that's kind of been the defense from jets fans at least from what i've heard is like look at his supporting cast it's bad look at his coaching staff it's bad well, I'm looking at the coaching staff this year, and it's the same one. I'm looking at the supporting cast, and it's not any better on paper. So I have no reason to believe that Darnold is going to be significantly better. And if he's not, the Jets aren't going to be better. Uh, it, it is important to note, though, that the Jets did recently sign uh, former Penn State lacrosse star Chris Hogan, though. So, <laughs> uh, and also, they have the most elite. Uh, they have the most elite uh, backup quarterback in the league. So there are some good things going on. Uh, New York Jets fans, don't you worry. Who is their backup quarterback? Uh, uh, oh, Joe Flacco. He's elite. Joe Flacco, sorry. I should have known. I mean, how many other players have ever been elite? Not many. Okay. Uh, speaking of elite, Josh Allen. Um, uh, your, your, uh, your favorite guy. <laughs> My favorite human. Uh, Right, you're the, the guy you like to write about the most. Uh, his name actually appears under. Uh, we, we have like some notes here, uh, and for the Buffalo Bills, who you have finishing second uh, after a ten and six season last year, fifty five point differential, first in offensive DVOA, sixth in defensive DVOA. Um, what is what are the projections here? Um, eight. 8.5 is the over-under. Football Outsiders having has them coming in 7.9. Um, but you you have here their biggest weakness, and you list Josh Allen, the big-armed, not-so-accurate quarterback that you uh, are often critical of. Um, does it does this just come down to, to Josh Allen? I mean, does it come down to whether or not he – I mean, they've given him uh, Stephon Diggs, one of the better wide receivers in the league, uh, you know, he has, again, on paper, it seems like he has plenty of tools that he should be able to take a step as a passer. Is that what this comes down to? I mean, if he if he can, can make a leap, is this team legit? Because the defense is obviously very good. Uh, and uh, Sean McDermott, I think, has proven that he's certainly among the top up-and-coming coaches. Uh, so is that what it's all about? Is it Josh Allen? I want to say that like their biggest it's relative when you say their biggest weakness like that's a testament to the rest of their team like I don't think Josh right. Allen is as as much of a weakness as like say the Jets offensive line is but sure. I think it depends on what what this means when you ask that question like what is it winning a Super Bowl if that's the case then absolutely I think it comes down to Josh Allen if it's making the playoffs then no I think they can make the playoffs even if Allen is the same player he was last year which obviously is what they did last year. Uh, so 
I think the expectations are high in Buffalo and they're expecting to compete for a Super Bowl or at least threaten Baltimore and Kansas City. And if that's the case, then yes, it does come down to Josh Allen. Because if he's not better and if he's not like at least an average quarterback, then I don't think they have a chance of doing that. They're going to stay in the same spot and they're in danger of becoming the next Jacksonville and Chicago where they built this great defense and this great supporting cast around these players, but they just kept doubling down on these quarterbacks. They drafted highly. And by the time they realized their mistake, the defense had fallen off. Uh, I think Sean McDermott is a better coach than those other teams had. So he has a better chance of sustaining that defensive success. And uh, the front office is better than those front offices way better. In fact, so I think they have a better chance of keeping the offense intact. It just comes down to is Josh Allen going to be the guy is he going to prove he's the guy and like clear the low bar the Bills fans have set for him? Like, I don't know if you saw that tweet where he was completing like a wide open pass. Like, it was like a 50 yard pass, but there's no pass rush and there was no one covering the receiver. And like some Bills fan was like, until Sam Darnold does this, Jets fans can't say he's the best quarterback in the AFC. So, it, which is just like a ridiculous statement all around. But the fact that that's the video you're pointing to it just shows how low the bar is for Josh Allen. The bar has to be higher this year. It just has to be higher. And if it's right. not, yeah. and they like keep going on, they keep riding this train, I think it's eventually going to fall off the tracks. I think you uh, you were the one who pointed out on Twitter too, like Cole Beasley had a, a, a quote where he was saying, like, Josh Allen's make, trying throws that he never tried before. He's trying to throw people <laughs> open. like, and, and the verb was try, like not completing. You know, he's not making throws that he's never tried before. Like He's just trying them. Like He's, he's giving it a shot, uh, which – is not like it's obviously a step forward, but it's also a testament to how far behind Allen was in some areas of the game. And I, you know, like you said, he's like he's an incredibly dynamic runner. Uh, I mean, he's he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's he 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 get he finds ways to get it done. I mean, there are good things that he does, but uh, he certainly needs to take that step forward if, if he wants to really get there. Uh, I think the Bills are going to be hurt by a lack of young talent too. They didn't draft until the 54th pick. And then they picked AJ Epinesa, uh, an edge rusher out of Iowa, who's not super dynamic. I mean, I think he's a reliable player, but Mm -hmm. again, not, you know, he's just uh, not going to, not going to really bring them a bunch of uh, a burst off the edge. And they did lose Shaq Lawson and Lorenzo Alexander. So they are going to need that from the defense. And then they went with running back Zach Moss at 86th. Um, who I think he, he has a ton of, uh, a ton of carries on him already. Um, but, uh, you know, could be, could be a dynamic player, but, you know, waiting that long to draft means you're not, you're not adding, uh, young talent. And obviously, as we've been saying, it's going to be harder for young talent to acclimate this year, but you need that, uh, you know, you need to have that competition. Um, the bills are going to be hurt there. Uh, the Patriots, you once again see them finishing first in this division. Uh, just an astounding thing to to say after losing Tom Brady. Uh, you know, I think most most organizations you would expect some uh, some downturn. That's sort of how the NFL works, right? A team loses a quarterback and it goes through a period of of uh, trying to find its next quarterback in order to get to make another charge, but the 
Patriots obviously waited out Cam Newton and eventually got him on a super cheap deal. Um, certainly seems like he's going to win the QB battle. Uh, I know there's a little bit of talk about it still being an actual battle, but from what we've seen, uh, Jarrett Stidham is not exactly tearing up camp. Uh, you know, I think Cam Newton is is going to easily win that. Uh, Patriots were 12 and four last year with a plus 195 point differential, offensive DVOA, 11th defensive first, uh, just a, an incredible defense last year. Um, what's going on with the Patriots? I mean, where do you see them? We've, we've talked, um, I, I think the Patriots, if you were to do a word bubble of all the things we've talked about on this podcast since it launched, uh, Patriots would be the number one thing we've talked about. So uh, I feel like we've we've dug into this, but um, where do you, how, how good do you think this team can be? Can it, can it compete for a Super Bowl? It's obviously not the class of the AFC anymore, but can it get into that realm? Uh, I think so. But in order to say yes to that question, you have to ignore a lot of the evidence, which suggests that this is not going to be a powerful team next year. It's going to be like a middle of the road playoff team, which is kind of what they ended up being last year. Right. And a lot of that has to do with the defense, which I think people are pointing to as like, kind of like the bedrock of this team. Like that's going to be the thing that carries them through, but on paper they're due for, for just a, astounding amount of regression like a lot of their success last year was based on the fact that they just had some for so many turnovers like it wasn't just interceptions which is a thing that has proven to be volatile year to year it was they recovered a lot of fumbles which isn't going to happen again i just right there was second second fumble recovery percentage so and number one in turnover margin like it's not going to happen again i don't think the defense is going to be number one again and then on top of that they lost a bunch of guys like they lost jamie collins who only seems to be good in new england but he is good in new england and they have to replace him kyle van noy who we covered already how how key he was to that scheme last year and then you have the opt-out you have patrick chung who's been just a, a key player in that secondary for what seems like forever now and then dante hightower who is probably the most underrated linebacker in the league. He has been, he has, he hasn't been healthy, completely healthy, like before last year. So they have experience like making up for his absence, but they're asking a lot of young players like Chase Winovich was a, a pretty good, a pretty productive pass rusher in, in spot duty last year. He was, I think he was a second round pick last year who really shined in preseason. So there's optimism that he can kind of make up for what they lost in Van Noy. They used, uh, the 60th pick on Josh Uche from Michigan, who's kind of this raw athletic freak who I think is going to benefit from Belichick's pressure schemes. And then right. Jawan Bentley, was the, uh, he was a young linebacker who was getting a lot of buzz in preseason last year. Then he got hurt and he missed the whole season. He might be able to replace Hightower. It's a lot of ifs and, and mights and maybes to replace those guys. But you put it all together and this defense looks like it's going to not just take a step back, but take a major step back. Like football outsiders has them projected as the 26th best defense in the league. Like they're going from first to 26. That's it. I don't think it's going to fall. They're going to fall off a cliff that much because Belichick's still there. He's going to find a way to make them a good defense, but right. they're not going to be right. able to rely on what they did last year. And a big part of that deep of this team last year was their field position. Like on offense, they had the best, starting field position of any team in the league. And I don't think that's going to happen. It was a product of those turnovers. And like we said, the turnovers aren't going to happen. And then on the other side, the 
the defense also benefited from the best starting field position in the league. And Tom Brady's gone. And Tom Brady, one thing Tom Brady is really great at is avoiding interceptions. And as much as I think of Cam Newton, that's not something that he's really known for. Right. Yeah. And the Patriots have not exactly fixed uh, the lack of weapons issue that plagued uh, Brady a little bit. Um, You know, obviously they have Julian Edelman, but Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers, one of those guys need to step up. Harry is 6'4". He's, like you were saying earlier in the show, one of those taller receivers that generally takes longer, a little bit longer to figure it out at the NFL level. Uh, Last year was waylaid a little bit his rookie year was waylaid by injuries and really didn't really seem to find any consistency uh they traded that led to them trading for muhammad sanu who uh, is not you know is clearly not his former self whether he can get back there is a question and then the tight end situation um picked a couple of tight ends in the draft uh, one is more of a uh, your standard issue tight end, the uh, Devin Asiasi. Yes. I, have a, I never know how to pronounce it, but, uh, you know, and he, he's looked pretty good in camp. So, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't feel like it, it's certainly not going to be a top 10 offense, I don't think. Um, so the question if the defense regresses all the way to 20, it's, 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 it's funny to even say that sentence about a defense that's going to be led by Bill Belichick. Uh, but I do think it could regress to like 15th and then you're, then the right. team is probably in a fair amount of trouble uh, at that position. And like you said, the opt outs on this team were uh, clearly the Patriots were hit harder than any other team. Um, so um and we haven't yeah. talked about the biggest opt-out, which was Dante Scarnecchia retiring. And I think that right. has the potential to have a dramatic effect on the offensive line. It did last time he retired, which I think was 2014. Then he came back and the offensive line all of a sudden was good again. And you have Marcus right. Cannon opting out, the right tackle. So there's a spot they have to fill. They're relying on Isaiah Wynn. Uh, I think this is his third year. He missed his first year due to injury. He was kind of spotty at times in uh, 2019. So they rely. They have a lot of question marks on that line. They do get David Andrews back, the center, so that might solve some of their issues. But I will say this about the receiving core: this is one area where I think Cam Newton will help them, where Tom Brady couldn't. And I don't know if the stats kind of like back this up, but in theory, you don't play man coverage against a quarterback who can run. You don't want to play man coverage a lot against those guys. And that's what the Patriots were seeing on third down, and they were seeing Julian Edelman get bracketed. You can't do that with Cam Newton back there because if you play man coverage and you have your defensive backs turn their back to the pocket, and then you have the guy that would usually be a spy double-teaming Edelman, Cam Newton's going to take off and get a first down. So the Patriots don't have a lot of receivers that you can rely on to separate from coverage, but they're going to see a lot of zone coverage. So. They might not have to separate from coverage. It might just be a thing where you just got to find a void in the zone. Sit down. Right. right. So in theory, I think Cam Newton makes the receiving core better. Like we always say Tom Brady makes his receivers better, but that's one area where he couldn't make them better. Like Tom Brady's not going to help you separate. He could throw precise passes that kind of beat separation, but that was the issue with Brady was he wasn't as precise as he had been in past years where I don't think they're going to have to have – they're not going to have to throw precise passes with Cam Newton back there, forcing defenses defenses into sh- certain coverages. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously the biggest unknown about the Patriots is just what will Josh McDaniels and, and obviously, you know, Bill Belichick will, I would think, have some input. But just what can they do with a quarterback unlike the one they've had? Uh, you know, they uh, Tom Brady is exacting. Uh, he has wanted the same things for year after year after year. I mean, we're reading stories coming out of Tampa Bay of him trying to get on the same page with players down there and what it's like for them and, and how demanding he is. Uh, and all of a sudden the Patriots have an entirely different player type of player to, to, to work with. Uh, you know, that's just the thing that we can't predict is, is how will they make that work? Uh, Cam Newton is uh, a, a more dynamic player than Tom Brady. He does more things. He might not do some of the things as well, but uh, we've talked, I mean, I think we did a whole episode on this one too, but just what does it mean for Cam Newton to come into this offense and how he changes the numbers uh, just gives, gives the Patriots a numbers advantage, which we've seen, you know, on the flip side that, that Bill Belichick is constantly manipulating that uh, from a defensive standpoint, Mm -hmm and trying to figure out how to win that way. So it stands to reason that he, given the chance to do that with a quarterback, he's going to have some pretty unique ideas about how to make it work for an offense. So, uh, you know, I think that's why we're all excited to watch the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> you know, it feels, I think I said this in another show, but it always felt like a little boring when you knew the Patriots going to be on because you knew what you were going to get. Right. Um, but and now at least there's going to be a fair amount of intrigue from the offense, at least the first couple of games. I, I can't wait to see him play. Oh, yeah, um, I think I think they're one of the teams that have like the biggest despair disparity, like between what they can be and what, like what their worst case scenario is. Like, I don't think like win total wise, it's going to be big. Like, I still think they're going to win nine games, at least even if they're bad. Right. But like our perception of them. I think they're either going to be a team that's like they're winning nine games, but like no one takes them seriously. They have to like scrape out a wild card spot, or I think they could be a Super Bowl contender. And I think they could be right there with Baltimore and Kansas city. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it feels, it feels foolish to, to write off Bill Belichick, um, you know, and, and, to discount that he's going to have the motivation to, to try to show that uh, he can be good this year. I mean, I think he's just one of those guys who thrives when people doubt him. You know, he sort of act, he's acts like he doesn't pay attention to what anyone's saying, but I think that he is very, very attuned to um, sort of the narrative surrounding his team and, and will want to show that uh, he can continue to be good after uh, the breakup with Tom Brady. So um, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the New England Patriots this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting. Um, so that is the AFC and NFC East. Uh, I think we're going to move on. What do you want to do next? The North? Are we going to do the, the NFC and AFC North? Next? Yeah, we're going North. All right. We'll go North with our next episode uh, early next week and continue on through the divisions. And then eventually we will uh, do a show sort of taking a look at the the broader league and who we think will be the MVP, rookie of the year, things like that. Um, so stick with us. Uh, you know, we'll continue digging in and bringing you some updates on what's going on in camps. Um, been looking at the news here. I guess uh, talked about Chase Young earlier. I guess he's dealing with a little bit of a hip flexor injury. Um, it's another guy I'm excited to see play this year. So I hope 
Hope he gets that sorted out. Um, but yeah, as we said, the camps are, are sort of starting in earnest. Uh, teams are working toward the season. Uh, lot, lots and lots of those uh, little injury reports. I, I'd be fascinated to, to see if there's more minor injuries this year just because there were so few because the players had to be away from the facilities and probably were not really able to get the same levels of treatment or stay in shape. You know, they're, they're all having to sort of work out on their own in their own ways. So I'm I'm wondering if there are more injuries this year, Um, but it's football. There's a ton of injuries every year. Yeah. I feel like no matter what we're going to say, there's been more injuries. Like that happens every (laughs) off season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's like when you cover a uh, high school football you just like go to the high school camp and you're like ah oh, so how's everything going like well we're all much bigger and stronger than we were last year like well yeah you're high school kids like that's that's just what happens but like that's the narrative every year like this team's bigger and stronger um but the in the nfl it's this team is injured <laughs> because that's uh that's what happens when when these guys get together and start playing um, so yeah, stick with us. We will bring you, uh, the, the North preview next week. Uh, Steven, how would you like to end this show? Uh, with a message to beat writers across the league. I just keep the training camp updates coming. I, I, I'm like feeding off of them. They're energizing me and getting me through the day, which is badly needed in, in quarantine. Like in yeah. years past, I've been like, all right, training camp updates. That's enough, but I need them this year. America needs them this year. <laughs> We need we need some video like that Joe Burrow video where like <laughs> some poor Bengals writer was like three I don't even know three hundred yards back from the field where the action was actually happening and then there were like ten dudes standing on the right side of the frame and then all of a sudden you just see a guy in a QB jersey dart to the left and then you see like nine dudes chasing him and I'm like what. What am I even watching? Like, is this just a fire? Like, a like a what? What can possibly? It was an engage eight, I think. You think yeah. it was an engage eight call? I bet. With no offensive line, just over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need we need more videos like that. Beat writers, help us out. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the counter. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Take care. The counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Wind, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. 